You know what I got from that point? I got the courage to start over from the beginning to be who I was. True story. This is what I told myself. I said, I'm going to act like I'm a friend. It was my third year at Ohio State. I'm a redshirt sophomore. I said, I'm going to act like I'm a freshman. Man, my knee wasn't healed. I'm still hobbling and couldn't figure it out. The pain, scar tissue, crazy. I said, I'm going to act like I'm a freshman. So from that day forward or the next day, I literally started doing everything like I was supposed to. Held no one else responsible. So I started learning the lessons even as a young adult, to become a man that I was missing because my dumb self thought I was a man, right? And I'm acting like a man without the lessons of being a man, but you have to be a child to even learn the lessons. You see what I'm saying? In case you haven't noticed, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're building a -a one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network. That's my guy right here, JB, man. The big bro. He's the guy, I promise you, like going through life in general, like, mm. This is the man that if you go and talk to JB, he's just going to give you some kind of advice that really makes you think about things and make you go, okay, yeah, I can definitely see why this is happening or X, Y, Z. So that's just kind of yeah. who he's always been. I mean, that's been my guy. Well, technically, that's been my brother since, you know, I was younger. If you notice, me and JB kind of look similar. So <laughs> right. at this point, I'm convinced that somewhere down the line, we're related. Because we're both from Northeast Ohio. He's from Youngstown. I'm from Cleveland. So I'm pretty sure at this point, we're probably related some way, somehow. We would have some granddaddies or something. Somebody. Somebody. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's my big bro with the Ohio State Buckeyes. But also, that's my chapter, bro. So we're both part of Mega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. So when I tell you this bond is deep, it goes deep. And like I said, he's always the person I go to if I have a question or if there's different opportunities, it's great. The first time I want to say I heard him speak, I think it may have been up in Youngstown. Simon Aries had like a fundraiser, I believe. And that was the first time that I heard Jimmy speak. And at that point, I was like, yo, Jimmy's the guy. If you need words of encouragement or if you want someone just to talk about life in general, he's the guy. And he's been dubbed on Facebook and social media. He's been dubbed the love bully. Because that's one thing about JB. He's all about loving on the people, but also presenting that truth and love. Regardless of feelings, and this, that, the other, he's always real. So that's one thing I always respected about JB. And we're so appreciative that you spend this time. Nate, when we first met, we had a conversation. And one of the things that first came up was the transition out of college football. And you, I think it said, you turned on the TV the first game of the year. The Buckeyes were playing and someone's wearing number 20, and then it hit you. And I know we talked to a lot of athletes that have that same feeling no matter when they left, whether it was in high school, college, professional. Some of the things that you're just talking about is that the type of conversations you've had with JB as you deal or as you dealt with that or as you deal with other things in life that you're dealing with major life transitions, perhaps. 
I think I dealt with it and had to deal with it in a different way. I dealt with the reality of the collegiate athletic experience early. For instance, in college, I took care of my own classes. I got my own summer jobs. So I got summer internships that were predicated based upon what my major ended up matriculating to be, right? So I came in as a pre-law and learned pretty fast. You ain't going to be pre-football or pre-law. You got to figure that out. I was the naive guy that thought I was going to play both ways and get a law degree at the same time, right? But I saw super early that guys weren't taking advantage and were allowing themselves to be taken advantage of. And for some reason, and I have kind of a solo dolo type of lifestyle anyway, I stay in my little bubble, I call it Gwanda Wanderland. <laughs> and whether I was mature enough back then to really understand what I was doing, listen, I did my own internships, which was summer jobs. I calculated me graduating early and I put that into motion. All of these things I did on my own, right? So when it came, to my transition, I think it was girded in a ton of reality, especially because my journey at Ohio State wasn't roses at all, right? Yeah. I ended up building <laughs> myself up from a hole that I dug myself into to be a starting defense alignment at Ohio State University, have an opportunity playing the league for a couple of years, but three years of that wasn't that at all. Yeah. So I had the opportunity to see it all. I'm talking about from the dumpster to redemption to the possibilities to the reality and put on top of that, that I took responsibility for my own thing anyway. So it didn't bother me as much. I was always looking for the Jimmy in the universe, so to speak. Right. And I was honest. Like, so listen, I played with the Giants. I played with Michael Strahan, Jesse Armstead. Jason Seahorn, Tyrone Wheatley, Amani Toomer. I played with juggernauts. I played with dudes that were talented and dudes that loved the game, mm. right? Then I went to San Diego, played with Junior Seau, Jim Harbaugh, Natron Means, dudes who loved the game. So I saw the distinction and the difference super. I'm like, yeah. oh, oh, I just like playing anyway. Ooh, this is fun. These dudes are feeding their families, right? <laughs> like yeah. grown men. Like, yeah. hey man, you know, grown men, like this is how I eat. This is how I survive. It's not a game. And I saw these things super early. So I had a lot of preparation for myself for the after the pig skin thing, if that makes sense. It does. I know that was long. Yeah, no, that's good. Keep rolling like that. You mentioned in your TEDx talk, you got to Ohio State and you were injured very early on in your career. And that was like within the first few minutes. And that was obviously, that was probably a transition. And then you talked about what wasn't there for you at that time, which was other people supporting you. You talk about that. Yeah, crazy. Totally true. You know, my dream was to play at Ohio State. I had and probably more than even football. I had relatives that had come through Ohio State. I used to come and visit and have a ball in the city and on campus. But the reality of collegiate sports is there are things put in place for you to literally support you, to hold you up. 
It's about your soul as an individual. That's the least of the reality. The truth of the reality is that it's a business and you're either an asset or a liability. Generally, you're getting recruited as an asset. You're even given a scholarship as an asset. Then how much of an asset or a liability you are is literally predicated based upon every single day. If you don't understand that, you'll be looking for comfort. You'll look for wisdom, guidance. You'll look for the adults that are to look out for kids in an adult environment to protect kids. You realize real soon that they're not there. I tell people two of the most adult situations that kids are thrust into prison and college. Hmm. College isn't a kid situation. Grown people, <laughs> right? And you're literally, people are literally leaving like they're seniors in high school who they already know is irresponsible. They're dropping them off. Sam, peace, figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> true? Yes. No, true. People don't even look <laughs> at it like that. No. Crazy and insane. Only other place is prison. And that's hmm. totally, obviously involuntary. And you got to figure it out fast or you sink. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Or you end up having a bunk mate called Bubba and you end up being a sweetheart. Right. <laughs> and that's how it is. Ohio State, not even this, not just Ohio State, it's the collegiate experience could eat you alive. Mm. And that's almost what happened to me. I did get chewed. I had a bunch of saliva on me. By the grace of God, I didn't allow myself to be swallowed. Mm. <laughs> and I fucked myself up out of the the esophagus and the throat <laughs> in the digestive system of failure and defeat. But I had to figure out, Jim, it's, it's not the coaches, it's not your mom, it's not your daddy, it's you. And I realized that, listen, God put all everything needed in me to make it happen. The realization, the development, all those other things. Those come either in some sort of time or experience or circumstance, but it's already in there. And once I realized that, that became my journey to redemption that generally most Ohio State players don't get. I'm probably Mm. one of the few guys that has an ultra redemptive story out of Ohio State. You needed that. Then that injury, would you look at it to say... Like, obviously, you never want to get hurt or something like that to happen, but that time in your life, that time in your career was like necessary for you to get to where you were going or was that going to happen regardless or? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I totally understand the sentiment. I didn't see where the truth comes in. Yes. Hell no. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the guy that doesn't think you have to go through stuff to experience stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. We do learn things through circumstances if Mm -hmm. we choose to. But I can have a silver spoon in my mouth. I can grow up in the Hamptons. And as long as I have the proper guidance, mm. experience, and upbringing, right, and understanding, I'm going to probably be dope, right? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Or I'm going to be what I'm given. Does that make sense? It does. So that I have to go through that hand. Please, no. Yeah. Listen, bro. I played with Corey Stringer. I played with Lorenzo Styles. I played with Orlando Pace. I played with Sean Springs. Jesus, keep going. I played with Juan Porter. My coach was Coach Cooper, Coach Coyer, Coach Pugich, Coach Conley, Lovey Smith. 
Man. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So that for me is an excuse. Yeah. Right. To say that that was a necessity for me to have to go through that to get the lessons for me to be a dope individual is asinine. I just didn't have the foresight, even the fortitude, even the maturity, even the understanding to receive the wisdom that these homies had in front of me. In some ways, all I had to do was really follow. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even have the, how can I say, my mother was not bad by any means, but my family weren't sports people. My dad was a, he came from a sharecropper from Alabama to the plants of Youngstown, you know, the steel mill plants of Youngstown, Ohio to Lordstown. My mom is, you know, her family's from Southern Virginia, right? The South of Virginia. One of the first educated people who busted her tail through education, being a librarian at the schools that me and my sister ended up going to. So her dream was to be a police officer. Now she's a retired police sergeant from Youngstown, Ohio. So those lessons, even nowadays, we were learned back in the day, we watched our parents work hard. Those are the lessons we have. I tell people now they stink at communication. That's why your kids are bad, Mm. right? Because we're in a communicative age. Oh, Jimmy, I know how to communicate. I said, no, you don't. I said, you know why? Because we weren't taught to communicate. It's not personal. We just didn't grow up in that era, which means for you to be a good communicator, you have to take a very honest approach that you're not and and get the tools to be. You see what I'm saying? So with all that being said, I just didn't have it. I was raised to work hard. I wasn't raised. I remember Corey Stringer literally being taught to be an NFL guy as a freshman to be an NFL guy when we played Warren Harding in high school, right? And then LaShawn Daniels literally following, that was his best friend. He ended up going to the league literally just out of association. You see what I'm saying? So there's some valuable lessons that we all should have and we all should give that are very specific to any particular individual that's going to help that individual literally I'm talking specifically an individual hit their mark or at least expand who they are in their gift. If they choose to listen, I didn't choose to listen. I didn't even have the lessons to learn how to listen, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. JB, just to backtrack a little bit, I know earlier you mentioned how like you have like a redemptive story when it comes to OSU. And me and you, we've talked about, you know, my experience at Ohio State and how yeah. I essentially put myself in the doghouse to the point where, you know, I'm not getting the playing time that I thought I deserved. And, you know, I have a one-on-one conversation with my position coach and I ask him, hey, coach, you know, what's really going on? And his response was, you know what, Nate? We just don't know how much you actually love it. And we don't know if we can trust you. Trust you, right? yeah. And at that Great. point, I was like, oof. Like, that hurt, right? That's a stingy truth. We came here to play football. We came here to do these things. And it was like, yeah, Nate, we trust you to go and play special teams and be a leader out on that piece. But outside of that, I don't know if I can trust you. You didn't show up to class. You didn't do X, Y, Z. Can I trust this guy, right? But I guess my question to you, JB, because I know we'll have other athletes here listening and hopefully the younger generation listening, in situations like that, to get a redemptive story like you, what do you suggest they do? Okay. How about I put it like this? My story was redemptive because I wasn't walking in who I am. 
You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't believe in change. People are like, well, change this, you change. Nah, you are who you are, and you evolve to be a better you. You see what I'm saying? Changing literally denotes that, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm changing from my Denali to my Bentley. I'm changing. No. How about I learn to drive my Bentley better, right? <laughs> Whatever right. car that I drive, I'll be a better driver in that. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'll give you the exact story, true story. I remember one day <laughs> I skipped practice and I think the coaches to this day knew what I was doing. I was skipping practice. I told them I had a study. I was on scouting. I was even a bad scouting player. Like I was useless to the program, like to be totally honest. So I went and got me some weed and I went and got some malt liquor, 40 ounce. I think it was a St. Ives. And I went behind this. At the time, the Billy Davis baseball field was being dug. So it was a huge construction site. I was one of the few dudes that had a car. I had a red Luma. We used to call it the Lumi Loom. And I went back there, and I was about to get it in, right, by myself, literally solo dolo, crazy. And, man, I felt embarrassed. I felt shame. I was like, what the hell am I doing? This is crazy. I'm looking around. It's pitch black, and it's me out here in this car in the boonie. And back then, West Campus was West Campus. Now West Campus looks like part of campus. Nah, it wasn't nothing out there like that. And I literally asked God, I said, God, if you help me get out of this, I said, I'll serve you, right? And that's not really what this is about, but nothing changed. This is where a lot of people get confused. They think stuff changed. No, nothing changed. You know what I got from that point? I got the courage to start over from the beginning to be who I was. True story. This is what I told myself. I said, I'm going to act like I'm a friend. It was my third year at Ohio State. I'm a redshirt sophomore. I said, I'm going to act like I'm a freshman. Man, my knee wasn't healed. I'm still hobbling and couldn't figure it out. The pain, scar tissue, crazy. I said, I'm going to act like I'm a freshman. So from that day forward or the next day, I literally started doing everything like I was supposed to. Held no one else responsible. So I start learning the lessons, even as a young adult, to become a man that I was missing. Because my dumb self thought I was a man, right? And I'm acting like a man without the lessons of being a man. But you have to be a child to even learn the lessons. You see what I'm saying? That's, I'm dealing with that now with the kids I'm coaching. I told the cats, I say, I'm giving these kids their childhood back. Because they don't know what respect is. They don't know what honor is. They don't know the thought process of manhood because their parents haven't allowed them to be children. Even in their efficiency, they, the good kids, they still don't know how to be. You've never been a kid. So how the hell are you going to be a man and you don't have to be a kid? So I went back to the beginning. No faking, no acting like I'm something that I'm not. I was Jimmy Bell from day one like I'm on that campus. Did everything like I thought I was supposed to do and did everything that they told me to do, right? That wasn't the end of it. So I ended up getting healed. I ended up making my way back to practice squad. I mean, not practice squad, traveling squad. Can't make this up. We go to Wisconsin. One of the coaches, did you ever have Coach Young? I have Coach Young, no. Man, you never had Coach Young. Coach Young was our country. (laughs) Old school defensive coordinator that had all written Jimmy Bell off. Like, no one really liked the guy, but he ripped me off. So if he ripped me off, hang it up. But I had already 
from simply me being me, going back to being me, I got myself back on the traveling spot. We get our butt kicked by Wisconsin in Wisconsin. I ain't playing. I'm like literally the second team, second team. I'm like the second team special teams guy, right? Dude comes in at halftime and beelines me and just starts giving it to me. Like I'm playing. Like I'm the reason. Everybody in the whole place stopped with big eyes, looked around like, what in the heck? is going on here. I think that's what people really realize. You know, a lot of people will tell you, hey, man, this is going on, that's going on. And you know how it is. Everybody trying to make it happen. So people pretty much putting it all on you. Well, this is the first time people saw and my coach Cho Young tripping on Jim. You see what I'm saying? But my point is, people get emotionally attached to the circumstance. So me going back to the beginning had nothing to do with if anybody believed in me or not. That was for me. I had to be me. Right. So no matter what I built myself up to be, no matter how positive things were going, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Not to anybody else. Why would it matter to Nate? Right. Why would it matter to Coach Young? Why would it matter to anybody else? It didn't. But it was it should have mattered to me. And it did because that didn't make me quit. So I kept going. Can't make this up. I get a phone call one day after the season. I get a phone call from Winfield Garnett. He says, Jim, are you ready to play? I say, what you mean? Am I ready to play? He said, bro, he said, Coach Young is gone. Out of the blue, can't make this up. He said, Coach Young is gone. He said, something happened in his family. Listen, Coach Young was the assistant head coach. Literally, in one day, packed up and left. Packed up and left. I said, man, heck, yeah, I'm ready. But you know why I can say I was ready? Because I was. Mm -hmm. I went back to be me for two years, a year and a half. I busted my tail to reclaim me. I was the redemptive story. You see what I'm saying? Not Ohio State. I had to redeem myself. You feel what I'm saying? And then guess who comes in? That's my coach. Freaking Coach Haycock. That's my guy. Freaking Coach Haycock. And this mofo, so I'm busting my ass now and I looked apart, right? So so he's sitting there like, he comes out one day, I can't make this up. He said, Jim, why the heck aren't you playing? And obviously you can hear the chatter in the coach's room, right? They don't trust me. Right? They don't believe in me. They don't trust me. And he's like, bro, why are you not playing? I said, listen, bro. I said, I dug myself a hole that I'll probably never get out of. I'm just being honest. He said, listen. He said, if you do what I ask you to do, he said, you'll play here. You know what I'm saying? And that's where I went from literally in the belly of <laughs> I went from the belly of failure at Ohio State University to the highest level of redemption and not only just playing, but I was an impact player on the squad and have an opportunity to play in the league more than guys that's come on that campus and played from day one. You see what I'm saying? So to answer your question, you got to be, you got to figure out who that is. Got to figure out who you really am and build that. If you're in a situation, that's how you redeem yourself. If you're not in a situation, that's how you get better. That's all the great people's story anyway. When you listen to David Goggins, that's all he talks about. And that's why he puts him so much what he calls torture so he can continue to remind himself who he is. Is that necessary? Not for me. It's necessary for him to continue to remember who he is. Michael Jordan, Allen Iverson, the reason I love LeBron James because he doesn't seem to waver from who he is. Everybody wants him to be somebody except for himself.
And his success is in him. You see what I'm saying? That's how God created it. And he gave us the courage to do so. Yeah, that's good right there. It's funny because I was on red shirt senior year, a spring ball, right? And everything was going down with, you know, the investigations with the tattoos and all these other things. And I had a, a spring practice in which I didn't reroute the scene. Actually, I didn't reroute the scene because, you know, the back flare, so I expanded out. It was like third and seven. So really, yeah. I did the wrong thing. I should have carried the scene, right? So I get pulled out. Coach Pick is over there screaming at me, talking about, you're a redshirt senior. You shouldn't be making these mistakes. Like, what's going on with you? And, like, he must have seen the look on my face. And it's Coach Pick. You know, Coach Pick really does not care. But, like, the way, like, he must have saw the look on my face because he was like, yeah, I think this dude might be broken, man. Like, it's over with for him, right? So the very next day, I actually go into the coaching office and I ask to talk to Coach Tress. You know, we sit down and I'm basically telling them exactly what's going on. I mean, I'm breaking down, tears coming down my face and X, Y, Z. And, you know, to this day, it was one of the craziest things because, like, everything shifted once Coach Tress said this. And he just looked at me and said, you know what, Nate? When people are freshmen, you know, they're running around, they're flying, they're doing the things that they're supposed to do. And I feel as if, you know, when they get older, they start playing, like, tight and they're afraid to make a mistake and X, Y, Z. And, you know, Nate, the only thing that I want I just want the kid that I recruited out of St. Ed's. I don't want anything else. So it really ties back into what you just said. Literally, just be the person that you are. Nothing else. So that was good right there, man. It might be a Youngstown thing because, you know, you've been (laughs) coaching over at Youngstown State. Maybe that's where y'all got it. But no, that was good right there. Because I think a lot of players, when they go into college, whether they're playing sports or just going to college as a student, I think they forget who they are. And they're trying to be something that they're not. And they have to yeah. go through those growing pains. And some yeah. of them come to realization like you did early, like, you know what? I'm going to bring it back and just be Jimmy Bell. While others, yeah. it might take a little bit longer. So, Or not get it at all. Or not get it at all. Yeah. Or not get it at all. Mm-hmm. I remember coaching up a homie, and we both know him, a homie that had gotten done playing. Tough position because he happened to be a defensive back. In his era, Cats was going every year. He got hurt. You know, locker room could be tough, right? So you get the jokes, you get the this and that, you see your homeboys doing these things, you're sitting there, and he's acting depressed. He's not depressed. He's acting depressed. And I had to remind him who he was. I said, bro, you're looking at your homies and what they're doing, and it has nothing to do with you. I said, let me give you an example. Were you one of the top dudes in the country? He said, no. I said, but I actually think you could have been because I watched you play, but you weren't. I said, your dream was to what? He said, get a scholarship to Ohio State University. I said, exactly. I said, because I know your dad. I said, you had a ton of scholarship offers, didn't you? He said, yes. I said, Ohio State, was it one of them? He said, no, because I already knew it. I said, who came in at the last hour and offered you a scholarship? He said, Ohio State. I said, listen, homie, this is the crazy part. You're sitting here as if you've lost the dream that you're watching your homeboys live and you've already lived yours. Your dream was to play football for Ohio State. If you told your story from the honest perspective where you'll save people's lives because 
That was his redemptive story, right? He fought his way to get a scholarship, and in the last hour, he had the faith to hold out. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. But now he's trying to be Roby. Now he's trying to be such and such. Mm -hmm. Now he's trying to be such and such. But I would depress me too, trying to be somebody else because I'm living a lifestyle that I can never achieve. Can't do it. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? (laughs) Absolutely crazy. So yeah, those are those athletic stories that people don't, they don't understand the psyche and the circumstance and the soulfulness that goes into the journey. And again, like I say, this is the deal. You got kids being thrust and dumped into an adult situation. Mm. People don't look at it like that. Those are freaking adults with no guidance, no wisdom, no understanding, bro, no protection. Mm. In these situations, and you look at these universities, businesses, People are always looking to blame something bigger than them, right? Like you can, someone could blame the university, the NCAA, right? And I'm not saying that they shouldn't be. I don't know, because I've already learned, Nate, like you said the word truth before. Like I'm just sitting here, I'm like, just JB, keep talking because you're speaking these truths. It's so much easier, and perhaps that's it, to say, I'm just mad at the football team. I'm mad at the university. I'm mad at something bigger because it removes it from my obligation, from my responsibility to not have to worry about it anymore. It's like, I could just put it on the university. Because like you said, it's not just Ohio State. This is everywhere. This is college sports. And it happens, I'm sure, professionally, but... Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the hardest things for most people is to look in the mirror and accept responsibility for the position that they're in. Mm -hmm. And it makes for the excuse for them not to, like we did it earlier. And I'm not saying that you were making, you were saying, well, Jim, you had to go through this. Like, I'm just an honest dude. No, you don't. But that's what people in personal development Uh, will do. They'll try to tell you, if you you don't go through this, then I get the hell out of here. You don't need that. I can have a mentor that can literally lead me down the path with the information, if I accept it, that'll get me to where I need to get to. I don't need to go through these things. We happen to go through these things because of the choices and decisions that we choose to make. A lot of us don't like to take responsibility because it's a soulful thing, right? And I think some people are, most people live an investigatory lifestyle. That's a big word, too. I probably made that up. We'll I like it, yeah. I, don't guess it too. <laughs> I think everyday people are trying to investigate the why. You know what I'm saying? Why is this happening? Why am I here? Why did this? Why did that? Why did this? And no one starts with themselves. Mm. It's all of these other things where the beginning, the middle, and the end of your answer is right in front of you. It's right in front of your nose. It's you. Mm. But again, I think in a lot of ways that can be heartbreaking. Most people are living in trauma, right? Most people are surviving from trauma. And I'm not talking about Uncle Rufus doing his thing and da-da-da-da-da. I can be driving down the street and somebody can say, you nigga. Well, that's trauma. To me, how I heal from that trauma is going to dictate how I continue to move forward. If I act like that doesn't bother me, then that's trauma that I'm one day going to have to resolve myself up. Does that make sense? 
So most people are living through trauma that they don't want to live through. You see what I'm saying? I have a homeboy, one of my business partners, a marketing guy, and we're in this area and we were talking about some race stuff. And this one guy who uses race for everything, don't, don't agree with him. And then the way that my dog put it, he said, you can't let that stuff affect you like that. I said, whoa. I said, that's not true. You're not allowed to dictate someone else's trauma. But you see how easily it is for all of us to dismiss someone else's trauma. So we're conditioned in a lot of ways to not heal. We're conditioned in a lot of ways not to look at ourselves to heal, right? So now we ignore things. We look for the other reasons as the things happen. And then there's no healing. There's no healing. So now we continue to look Look at Eric. Man, I remember that time Eric did such and such and such. Okay, Cooper. But you still had an opportunity. I remember that time Nate, such and such and such. Yeah, but you still had the opportunity. You see what I'm saying? I could blame Coach Young. I don't. I could blame the system. I don't. People blame Coach Cooper all the time. You know what I say about Coach Cooper? And at the time, I may not have been in that space when I was younger. I said, man, he did the best that he thought he could. Mm. Do I think he intentionally was screwing me over? No, I think he thought he was doing what was best, right? And that actually puts the pressure on me to be a better person. The benefit of that, I become a better person. Yeah. No, that's true. I become a better person. I can't become a better person if I'm blaming other people. And the hard part is blaming them through the truth. So did the coach Coop screw me? Yes. Does that have anything to do with my growth, my positivity, my positive progression? Nope. Mm. Not at all. Not at all. And I think that's what a lot of people need to understand. Look at yourself. You're going to be the success or the failure of your situation. Mm-hmm. That's why it's easy to blame other people. Mm. Yeah, I've had uh, people that I've played with like to this day, and we're in 2022. I haven't played a snap since 2011. To this day. They still blame their position coach and still hold on to like this hatred towards them. And I'm like, yo, like, I just asked the question. I'm like, hey, did you like, if you're being honest, did you do everything that you could have done perfectly in order for you to be on the field and get whatever it is that you thought you should have got? I'm talking about, I'm not just talking about on the field. I'm talking about, did you go to class? Were you communicating with the coaches? Were you X, Y, Z? And a lot of people have trouble answering that question. They don't want to be honest with themselves and say, yeah, I ignored their text messages when they texted me. When they called me, I ignored their calls. I was late to doing X, Y, Z. I didn't do whatever it is. I didn't show up, you know, voluntary, but I probably should have showed up, but I didn't show up anyway. Right. So I think having those honest conversations is how you grow. I mean, I know it's helped me. And like I said earlier, it's my conversations with JB that have allowed me to grow if I'm being 100% 100% honest. Now, hopefully those who are listening to this, they'll hear JB's story and really just see his view on things. And hopefully that can help them grow as well. So yeah, man, it, it is very hard to look at yourself in the mirror. Yeah. Because it's yes. easy to blame everybody else. But when you got to face it yourself, it's like, yo, accountability and being honest with oneself is the only way for you to grow into who you really are, if I'm being honest. You know, so I think there's mercy in truth. And I'm talking us intentionally tripping, right? Mm-hmm. Ain't talking about, no, ooh, I made a mistake. I'm operating in truth. 
You know what I'm saying? You're not being avoided, avoiding things. You're not avoiding life. You're not avoiding your particular responsibility and things. And it's crazy that people do that too, bro. I'm not absent of understanding that it happens, but it's just weird. It's weird to see when people talk their way out of truth. And you'd be sitting there like, hey man, that's the most obvious thing in the world. What are you talking? No, no, but, 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 hear me though, but, but, I'd be like, it's kind of obvious. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, but I think with that lack of honesty and truth, I think that's where it kind of leads to your, your TED Talk where you said you try to make your what-if bag as light as possible. Yeah. If you understand truth and you're actually walking in who you are, that what-if bag is really not heavy to carry. Because Absolutely. You're taking advantage of every single thing that's in front of you, right? So Absolutely. Now, the tough part about the understanding about that what-if bag, though, some people, whenever I share that, I can't make this up, I get a tingle because I get scared of how people receive it. Because some people think the what-if bag has to do with success or failure. And it doesn't. It doesn't. It really has to do with truth, right? So it has to do with maximizing the opportunity. But some people will say, man, huh? Man, I'm so regretful because this didn't work out. Well, that's not a what if bag. Oh, I'm so regretful because of such and such. No, that's not the what if bag. The what if bag is where you're honest and truthful enough with yourself to maximize it, that you put everything into that opportunity. In my opinion, God never said how things are going to end up. I think it is our responsibility to take the steps. Oh, 100%. Sometimes you got to take one step. It's not that didn't work out. Then from that position, you make another choice and decision to make another step, right? Mm-hmm. So now you're in a totally different position. Totally obvious, but just the truth. So now you have to make another decision, right? That decision was never meant to work out in your favor anyway, but I needed to get you from the first step, the first position, to the third and fourth position, mm-hmm. right? Because when you finally get to the seventh position, things will become clearer, mm-hmm. The first six or seven things were never meant to work out for you. They were meant to get you from one position to the next. You can't see the forest through the trees until you go through the mofo. One of the scriptures, so we got a teen scripture now, and it's the scripture that says that I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And I had an epiphany one day based upon my teen and the fear that they operate in and how do you overcome it? It's nothing that Jimmy can say. You got to go through the valley. They have a valley that they have to go through. Not over, not under, right? Not around. And man, you got to go through the valley. And what does it say in that whole passage? It says that I have these rewards that are already available for you. You just can't see it because you haven't gone through the valley. And your enemy is going to be sitting there tripping like, what the heck is this? They're going to be tripping because they're going to see it too. They're going to be wondering, you know what I'm saying? But it's because I went through the valley and you can only go through the valley in truth anyway. Nothing else can get you through that valley. That truth and love is the Lord anyway. You know what I'm saying? I ain't being all spiritual, but it's the truth. Nah, I mean, that's not super deep, but that's literally what I was going to say. I was going to say, listen, like, what leads you to that valley is that honesty. That truth, yeah. being able to walk it out almost to, I wouldn't say walking backwards, but like you're walking to the person that you're supposed to be. 
you're supposed to be Jimmy Bell. You're supposed to be Nate Oliver. You're not supposed to be LeBron James. Your name's not LeBron James, so you're not supposed to be that. I yeah. Mean, I, know, I know that saying back in the 90s was, uh, I want to be like Mike. You know, I had a whole bunch of people trying to be like Mike. <laughs> not trying to be it's themselves, right? You got to be absolutely. Yeah, man, I like that. That's good stuff right there. There's truth. When I ask you that question, it's come up a lot. And I think a lot of people take it when they talk about the problem, the obstacle that they had to overcome, that they had to go through. They were grateful maybe for that. And then that question comes up and I asked that question. It's what you all are just talking about. And the way you answered it, I've never had someone in your position like that say that to me. And it's continued. It's just, I mean, it's writing it down. I'm thinking about it constantly because of the way you responded in truth to everything that you've talked about today. And I just want to put light on that because, man, it's just, it's so important. Because I think like you're saying, you don't want those things to happen. And it's just, you could do it right now. And you go and you talk to kids, right? I've seen pictures of you in the news and you're at schools and you're talking to these kids and there's some kids, they're having good time man. things are good. And you're presenting this to them. Like you don't have to go through something terrible, right? Except for the truth, right? And the way you answered, the way you talked about it, I'm never going to forget the way you shared that with me. Yeah, and people think, and again, thank you for allowing this conversation, but you have kids to this day that are living out the existence of something else. Like they think that their childhood is supposed to be rough. Like they think they're supposed to be smoking and using vapes to be cool. (laughs) Who told you that? Think about this. You got guys, and I am going to put the little stereotype on guys. You got guys who are feeding to have sex through being awesome athletes because they think that's part of the experience. Ain't never touched no cuckoo before in their life. Now, for us that have touched cuckoo, I can understand. Like you don't even know, but the existence that you've been told, you're trying to live these things that have nothing to do with you. Distraction, that's what I call distraction. Distraction, and that's how simple I put it. Distractions are anything or any presentation ain't got nothing to do with you. You know what I participate in? Nothing that ain't got nothing to do with me. <laughs> you know the conversations I have? None that ain't got nothing to do with me. <laughs> you know why? Because it's a distraction. It's a presentation. Hey, man, look at this vape pen. Right? It's a rule breaker. Right? Whether you vape or not, it's a rule breaker in most schools. So if you want to be in the National Honor Society, you can't break a rule in school, right? You didn't fall in a vape pen hit you in the mouth. <laughs> Somebody presented it to you. And you accepted and believed in their presentation over who you actually are. Mm. It's crazy. Meth heads, crackheads, who's fell on a crack pipe and just starts... Nobody. Nobody. It was presented to you. So some people live a lifestyle, that lifestyle, right? Their mom, their dad, their grandparents, I I get it. Most people have it. Most people have, even in the worst situations, most people have it. Because I, I would believe that most parents 
and or guardians have tried their best to shield their kids. Whether they're good parents or guardians or not, they try to shield their kids from certain things. And generally, drugs is one of them, right? So you were presented with it. And you said, man, the presentation of something that has nothing to do with me and me, right? The power of you at that time wasn't strong enough to choose you. That's insane to me. I've been there, but that's still insane. That's, that's insanity. I'm a little bit competitive. And in this space of life, there's some things that are so obvious I can't let life win. I can't let you do it. I can't snap on you. I can't slap you like I really want to. <laughs> That's the setup. Oh, you want me to slap you? Nah, I'm good. I'll hug you. <laughs> I'll give you another story. I'm in Naples, Florida. It just, just happened. I'm with one of my homeboys. We're doing some stuff. He's a former Houston Oiler. Do y'all even know what the Houston Oilers are? Y'all too young. Oh, I was there. Yo, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Man, like, I was there. So real quick, I was in Buffalo when the Bills had to come back against the Houston Oilers. So little oh, dating okay. right there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you dated, you just look good, bro. Okay. okay. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Your own hand. Your own hand is look good. But we're at this one of my homegirls had this this new little kind of like a, a soul food place, like a southern, the southern Florida soul food place. And it was dog friendly. We're outside, we're supporting, there's a bunch of people out there, and this lady's letting her dog kind of roam around. This kid walks by, and the dog jumps and snaps at the kid. Almost looks like he bit him, if you couldn't tell, but he didn't. The kid's scared, everybody's like, oh my God. And this one guy's just flipping at this lady. What the hell are you? It was so uncomfortable. That I said, I said, hey, bro, relax. I said, relax. Bro, he's gone. I said, hey, bro, we're on with startled. Chill out. So then I get my big tail up. You know, bro, I'm 6'6", 335 right now. I'm coming down. I'm going to be 299 sexy, butt naked. I'm going to be like, well, I'm going to get a run. <laughs> I may need you guys to bail me out because when I get to 299, listen, straight butt naked. Anyway, <laughs> nonetheless. I get up and I walk over to the dude and he's thinking it's going to be a confrontation. And I know Nate, he's going to laugh because he's seen me do some pretty unusual things and say some pretty unusual <laughs> things. So he gets up thinking it's going to be a confrontation and I hug him. I straight up hug him. <laughs> and this was like, he melted, right? He totally melted and he can't figure out what to do. So he brought it down and he's talking to me. I said, he's, well, well, you got to understand that people are scared. I said, listen, bro. And I pointed to the side. There were like eight kids. I said, you're screaming and yelling at the top of your lungs, cussing at the top of your lungs because of that fear. What do you think you're doing to those kids? I said, you know why I really came over here? It's because I sense that you're a really good dude and you're putting yourself in a position to be realized it's not a good dude. You know what I'm saying? That dude sat down. Like, he actually bought some drinks and stuff, but he, he ended up leaving because I think he was embarrassed. You know what I'm saying? But we all have these opportunities to choose. We don't know, but are you willing to be you? You know what I'm saying? I could have went in there in all confrontation to smack the dude down or I'm going to be the bully in this situation. I'm going to shut him up because 
no, nah, I'm not giving in, nor am I going to let him give in. You see what I'm saying? I'm going to let my love take control of the situation. So understanding the truth of who you are, that presentation, man, that presentation gets us all or has gotten us all because most of us haven't been trained that we're more powerful then any of the presentation has nothing to do with us, has nothing to do with us. And I think that's a huge lesson for young homies and young homettes. Don't be distracted. You're going to be presented with a distraction. Don't accept it. Mm. Even your friends. I told my daughter this the other day. Something happened. I said, if those are your real friends. Whether they were engaged in that stuff, they would have sued you off because they would have known who you really are. Mm. He says, and you would have never vaped unless you're a vapor. I said, now, if you're a vapor, I just go buy you a 50 pack and I'll sit here and let you smoke them out. Right? That's truth. She's a junior. She's understanding. I've raised her to take responsibility for herself. I'll never be an enabling parent. I'm out. I'll never be an enabling homie. I'm out. You know what I'm saying? If you want to be a vapor, here's a ficky pack. Let's go. Let's start it. Let's go get them. Stop playing. Be the leader of the vape pack. <laughs> but if you're anything less than the leader of the vape pack, then you're tripping. You've accepted a presentation. That's nothing to do with you. You have to figure that out. You have to reason that. You know what I'm saying? Why is that? Why are you with people who don't value you? Why are you with people who don't care about you? What do you mean they do? They're my friends. They love me. Da, da, da. Well, why are they presenting you with something that has nothing to do with it? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? They should be presenting you with everything. That's what I do to my friends. You know what I'm saying? I send funny stuff with a lot of the clips I send that may have to be specifically with names. And it made this. You know what I'm saying? I'm the guy that loves to give gifts. You know why I love to give gifts? Because I think I'm so in tune with the people in my life that I think I know that when I give them something, that's going to be an, a heartfelt understanding of why I gave it to them. Even in conversation, when I have conversations with the people in my life, their heartfelt conversations about that stuff. I'm not, I don't waste time. You see what I'm saying? I'm not casual about anything in my life mm. because this stuff has nothing. Hey, Jimmy, what do you like to do? What do you do for fun? What I do? You don't do this, 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 and this? Uh. Nah, why? And it got nothing to do with me. It got nothing to do with me. It's hard. You know what I'm saying? It's hard for young people because I got three kids myself and I got my son, senior, and he's been presented over the last few years to partake in these mushrooms, smoking, weed, drinking over and over and over again. He doesn't want to do with it. He's a share. He shares this stuff. It's been a lot for him to go through to talk through these things and to be honest with his parents about it. And I trust him. And what happens when these kids continue to want you to participate in this? He's had to branch out, right? And he's made other friends that don't put him in those situations. But I think it's very difficult for kids these days. I mean, the access, I mean, this thing right here, they're 24-7. They go home from school. We used to go home and Maybe you get a phone call here and there. Maybe you meet up at the mall later on. I mean, it's all the time that things available. Why aren't you doing this? Come do this. We're going to do it this weekend. Here's what we're going to be up to. And whatever those things are. 
I mean, at some point, there's some kids that just, they reach their breaking point and they just, hey, you know what? To get them to stop, I'm just going to do it. And I don't know what that leads to. Yeah. But that's what we're dealing with. That's where I always got a story for something. I was in a sauna <laughs> with one of my homies and he was talking about his son, how he was upset because his son didn't do what he told him to do. His son didn't do what he told him to do. And I said, woo. I said, that's tough. I said, you got to be safe. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, because it's really not your son's responsibility to do what you want him to do. You have to prepare him and give him the courage to do what's best for himself. And then you have to teach him how to make those decisions through those things. Because otherwise, it does become a pressure bus pipe situation. You see what I'm saying? Now it becomes a habit that you hope doesn't break. Mm as opposed to a lifestyle. And the lifestyle comes through communication. Obviously, it comes through truth also, but it comes through communication. Even your little homie asking, and I know you probably have, like, bro, who do you, how do you feel about these things? Mm. Who do you want to be? What do you want to do in life? Okay, cool, check it out. You can do what you want to do. Pops can't be there and moms can't be there with you 24-7. So you're going to do what you want to do anyway. But you have to be aware of the consequences of you doing stuff that has nothing to do with you. These are the consequences of that. So let's have another conversation. So why do you think these people continue, your friends continue to ask you to participate when they know that's not the lifestyle you want to live? I don't know why my friends do that. Yeah, I wouldn't either. You know what? Are you a good friend? Yes, I'm a great friend. Would you do that? No. So you think they're friends or acquaintances? You see what I'm saying? Mm. Like we're responsible for back in the rap game to like break it down to the very last compound. That's our responsibility. We got to break it down. My coaches have a problem with that. They coach par, right? I got kids that's only in their second year playing football, period. And they're coaching par and it, it gives me the chills every time they open their mouth because I'm sitting here like, but I don't know what you're talking about. Even in the parness, you know what I'm saying? Par is like level, like you're talking a language. They have no clue what you're talking about. So what do you have to do? You have to find a way creatively to speak a, to speak in an understanding way, way beneath par. So they understand you. At least they start moving in that motion until eventually you can talk in a communication of par. You see what I'm saying? But again, I think most people aren't as communicative as they think. They don't really have the communication skills that they think. We tell our kids to do this, to do that, and the kids really don't know. I'll give you another story. I remember one time, my homie, well, he's not a homie now. He had this son. He was abusing his kid, didn't even know he was doing it. He was telling his kid to stop doing something. And then that's what the kid did. He stopped doing it. <laughs> And guess what he did two minutes later? He went back to doing it again. I said, Jay, he did what you told him to do. You told him to stop doing that. And he stopped. He started doing it again. You didn't tell him that that may not be best for him. You didn't tell him, you know what I'm saying? You didn't explain to him the detriment of doing what he's doing. You didn't teach him to have the confidence to not engage. You told him to stop, so he stopped. You got mad because he went back to doing it again. 
You didn't tell him not to do those things. That's communication. You see what I'm saying? And that's what a lot of us fail, even in our relationships. We lack communication. We have some relationships that we're supposed to have in our lives right now, and they've been destructed from a lack of communication. You see what I'm saying? Business partners, same thing, lack of communication. I try not to live my life based upon assumptions. I think assumptions makes fools of everyone. You see what I'm saying? So you got to communicate. I don't need to agree with you, but I'm going to work my butt off to understand where you're coming from. I hope that you would do the same. I'm not asking for you to agree with me. I care less if you agree with me. I do believe it's respectful for you to understand my position and my point. You know what I'm saying? And that's what helps our kids. Shoot, that's what helps adults. It's sometimes it's worse for the adults because they're living 30, 40, 50 years of a lifestyle of continuously not understanding. Why, why, why? Because not living in the truth. You know what I'm saying? You, you're blaming other people. You're holding other people responsible. Some people have told you that. No, it's you. It's you. It all begins and starts with you. If I can get you, so I told my team that this weekend after a butt kick, and it really at halftime of a butt kicking. I said, man, I said, if I can get you guys to believe me just as much as you believe your naysayers, we'd be undefeated right now. That's real. So why do you believe the naysayers and you don't believe the most powerful, positive influence in your life in the past two years? You know what I'm saying? So Yeah. Yeah, man. That belief is a powerful thing. And even with your players, you're saying they're believing what the town is saying, saying that maybe they're not a good football team, they're going to lose every game or whatever it may be instead of listening to you. So, I mean, I kind of look at it like, Depending on the situation and who it is, if that individual is still trying to figure out who they are, it's a lot easier to listen and feed into the negative than it is for the positive piece. You know what I mean? So I guess what your your student athletes, again, this is for the students who are listening, what are some of the things that you try to tell them as far as like belief? Like you should believe X, Y, Z because of Y. Cause I know you're dealing with a, a few different things over in Belfry. I know it's different everywhere you go, but just in your, with your football team in that town in general, like yeah. what are some of the things that you're really highlighting? One of the few things I try to highlight the most is you're not a sum total of your experiences, right? I Man, I got abused kids. I got kids that ain't eating. I got kids that can't afford, right? I got kids that are in such fear from inaccurate expectations and then the wrath of not living up to a total inaccurate expectation based upon you, you know what I'm saying? Not to mention a town that has, I think in some ways deliberately downgraded and minimized football at the minimum, you know, but other sports too, and the meaning of it and your participation of it. So I have to teach them that you're not a sum total of your experiences. You have to take responsibility for the consequences, good, bad, or indifferent, but that's not who you, just because you've been through this, that does not mean that's who you are. You have to be who you are and then continue to build on that. So my lesson every day literally is trying to convince them. I wish I can show you this one. I had this one kid where he was in such fear the first game I had to tell him, I said, bro, I can't even play. You're going to hurt yourself out there, bro. You're going to die on that football field because you're in such fear that 
bro, he's going to hurt himself, right? So that's part of the honesty of me knowing who this kid is, allowing him to live his experience and his journey through his valley. He texted me on, I think it was Saturday. If I wasn't on my phone, I would read the text to you. But it was to the point was, I understand what you've been talking to me about fear. And today, I want to thank you for giving me the courage in showing me how to fight through that fear on the football field. And it was deliberate. Actually, I made it at halftime. I actually called him out. Because you can see on the field, he was participating not in fear. I'm not saying he wasn't scared. I didn't even say he wasn't fearful. But he was trying to defeat it. Where before, he was literally running from it. He was running from it. I told the kid, I said, listen, think about it. Some of you are operating in such fear that you're going to get hurt. And no one gets hurt from football. No one gets hurt from the contact. That's what the outfit is for. No one gets hurt from the hit. You may twist your ankle. You may hurt your knee. You may twist your knee. Those are athletic movement things. Those are movements. I said, bro, you can't get hurt. So why are you afraid? That's easy for me to say when they literally believe that they're going to get hurt. Someone told them that they're going to get hurt, right? So those are the lessons. I try to allow my kids their truth. I try to get them to speak their truth so that they can make a decision. It can't be my decision. They have to be able to have the confidence to articulate their decision. I remember we did a my touchdown club. We have dinner every Thursday, and it's actually a nice dinner. But at this one particular time, we came to a touchdown club guy's house, and really we had the equivalent of a cookout. It was shrimp, scared shrimp, steak, and corn. It's a cookout, right? But to them, because of their lack of experience, we might as well have been a roof Chris, right? We might as well have been a roof Chris. And I'm sitting here trying to show my coaches. I said, you see what a lack of experience will do. Look at these kids. They're literally like thinking, this is the, one of the kids said this. He said, man, I'm too broke for this. He said, I even got lights on in my house. I said, no, bro. I said, you ain't too broke for any of this. I said, this is what you deserve, whether your lights is out or not. You see what I'm saying? So people will even express to you what their truth is, what their positioning is, what their belief is. But yeah, they got a choice. He, listen, that's his reality. But I had to tell him that's not what makes you broke, bro. What makes you broke is what's in your brain. Sometimes I don't care if your lights are or not. That's a whole nother conversation. That's a whole nother conversation. So yeah, those are some of the lessons that I have to literally every single day continuously teach these fellas. I got three kids right now in a prep school down in South Florida, and I hope they never come back here. I hope they never come back because I don't want them to think that what they've experienced in 17, 18, 19 years of their lives has to be their existence. I want them to venture out and experience some other things so they can continue to look in the mirror and see who they are. Some people don't realize who they really are until they get a divorce. Some people don't really realize who they are until they go to another job after 30, 40 years of their present job. You see what I'm saying? Because you have different choices and decisions to make. You have different responsibilities. Some people don't even know what they really like in life. 
because they haven't had the freedom to do so. You see what I'm saying? It's crazy. Some people don't know their favorite color. Some people don't know what type of car they like. Some people don't know if they do what they are in the car. They don't know what kind of house or what area they want to live in. They haven't had the opportunity to experience it and let their soul connect themselves to these particular things. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to open up their hearts and their souls so they can make some accurate choices about who they really are. Because if I can get them to make some decisions about who they are, then I can help position them to continue to evolve into the best them. So that's like an everyday thing, every single day. Yes, sir. Nate, man, I met you like, I don't know what, a couple of years ago, and you're bringing these people into my life that I get to listen to now and just, it's wild. Listen, there are a lot of great people in my life. JB is one of them. If I'm talking about stories and or motivational speeches, I wouldn't even call it motivational speeches because I don't think that's what it is. It's just him just bringing truth and just allowing you just to see really honesty. Like you have to be honest with yourself, honest about your situation in order for you to either, like you said earlier, evolve or make whatever changes that you need to make on the outside, not necessarily inside, but on the outside in order for you to really start walking in your purpose. So, you know, I'm glad and thankful to have people like JB in my life and thankful that I'm able to bring them on, you know, the podcast for you to meet them and I mean, me personally, I want to get JB back on here a couple more times just because that's my guy. But yeah, yeah. Hey, next time we'll tell Eric the story of when I was going to throw the cancer kid over yeah, the boat. True story. No, this is true story. <laughs> and that is 100% accurate. It really happened. Hey, I was like Mary Anna. But it saved his life. It did. And I know someone's probably going to be listening like, what are they talking about? That's why they have to come back, man. That's why they come back. What's crazy, and I've said this so many times, sports bring people together. And you have this whole thing with like, you happen to play at Ohio State. We had this connection there. You got these other people that you've been talking. And and we haven't sat here and it's Ohio State, Wisconsin week. The only Wisconsin story we heard is JV getting yelled at at halftime. In Camp Randall. Oh, that is. It is Wisconsin week, isn't it? <laughs> Man, it is Wisconsin week, but that's what got us here in the first place. And so people say sports don't matter or what are we doing? Why do you care about the football game? And I get it. And there's way more important things and maybe sports matter because they don't matter. I don't know. But like you're using sports to teach these lessons to these kids. And I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking like we were here because we we're going to talk about all this stuff, but it was all because... Ohio State and sports and Ohio State Wisconsin game brought us to have this conversation and it led to so much more. Absolutely. You know, sports is changing Man. for the better, right? I mean, players are now starting to have their own podcast and able to really control the narrative of what's really getting put out there. And now sports is allowing us to actually talk about real issues and all that uh, shut up and dribble or stay out of politics or whatever it may be that's pretty much dead because now we have a platform in which we can engage in conversations like this to, you know, potentially help whether it be athletes or just someone who's going through a divorce, married with kids, trying to figure out that piece or kid in a small town or even the inner city that are dealing with, you know, the things that JB just mentioned that some of his kids are dealing with. So I think that's the beauty of sports. Like you were saying, Eric, it allows you just to touch on many different things. So it's a beautiful thing. Super dope. 
I appreciate very appreciative that you guys had me on this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Nate, we got to talk. Where were you thinking, though, this week? It's a game. It's a big game. Listen, I didn't think Ohio State was going to cover the 30 points just because, you know, the QB or whatnot. Man. But JB went on, was a good morning Columbus and said the score was going to be something like 68 to 17. So JB was actually the closest to the actual score. So I'm going to let JB take this one just because, you know, <laughs> my score predictions and everything else have not been accurate. So I'm going to let JB do that. But I do believe that Ohio State will pull it off. CJ Stroud is going to continue to play great and might even take off on another run, just like he did on Saturday. So, you know, man, I'm excited about man, that. Look at him go. <laughs> so this is my thing. And I'm like getting my calculator out here. I'm a Coach Day fan because I think he gets it. He's also extremely smart along with Kevin Wilson, who's extremely smart. I think sometimes guys are just a little too smart for their own good. And the problem that we're going to have with Wisconsin is the problem we have with Wisconsin every year, and that's Wisconsin being damn Wisconsin. And from my era to Nate's era, it doesn't matter. They're going to be the toughest out every game. I don't care if they stink a year. They're coming out of Ohio State's neck, running the ball, zone read. They're just going to run that thing, man. They're going to play strong, solid defense. And up until this point, and I know it's only our third game, but based off of last year, we haven't shown that toughness, man. We got to get it back. I love what the defense is doing now. I love the attitude. I love the energy. I love the playmaking that the defense is showing. But the offense, for some reason, it's not lacking. A, it's not a points thing. It's an attitude thing, right? What's going to happen? Mike always said, man, there's one thing when you know, you're punching out of somebody. What are you going to do when that person hits you back in the face, right? And for years, Ohio State has had that problem after Coach Trussell. So, and I don't think we've ever regained that offensive toughness, that SOB, that you have to deal with the best offensive line in the country. And we're going to rush for 200 and something yards, you know, five yards in the cloud of dust. I think that's the success of Ohio State. We know what Wisconsin is going to do. We know exactly what they're going to do. But are we going to be tough enough to combat it? And are we going to be tough enough to exceed it? So with that being said, I'm going to say 24 Wisconsin, 24, 31. What did I say? 24 to 31. 31 to 24. You got a one touchdown game. So you're going to be like, Nate, he's going to be on the edge of his couch, man. (laughs) I can know what to do with himself. (laughs) Listen, and this is the deal. I don't know how it's going to play out. We may end up coming back winning this thing by seven points. You see what I'm saying? So Hmm. we got to keep them out of the end zone and we got to move the ball. We can't give them opportunities and that's from us not moving the ball. If we don't move the ball, we just give them opportunities. Yeah. If our defense, I don't care how good our defense is, if they keep being, if they're on the field, the majority of the time, it's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. And, and I, that's what I fear. And yeah. I think what JB is saying, just for anyone that's listening, talking about move the ball, we just scored 77 points. We're not talking about in the air. We're talking about running the ball, being able to run between the tackles, 
getting those tough yards, sustaining drives of 13, 15, 16, 19 plays, whatever it may be, being able to really drive the football. That's what he means. So don't go like listen to this and say, oh, he's saying we need to be able to run the ball. And I mean, historically in the Big Ten, that's what the Big Ten is. You better be able to run the ball, especially in November. But when you're playing Big Ten teams, you have to be able to run the ball. Yeah. Okay, watching these running backs play, I got to imagine Mayan Williams. That's the guy. Is, I mean, because he's doing what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. It's a combination of the backs and the Mm -hmm. the receivers and the line, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the backs are running tough. I mean, hopefully Henderson can get healthy and whatnot, but Williams played great. Hayden played really good. Caffey from, I think, Youngstown. I believe he's from Youngstown. Youngstown, walk on. Just came through and did his thing. And I mean, I'm pretty sure, I don't think he earned a scholarship right here and there. But however, I'm pretty sure that it's going to be, it's it's on the way. (laughs) You know what I mean? So we have running backs that can go and do it and get those tough yards. It's just one of those things where we have to go and prove it against a team like a Wisconsin who historically played great defense. And then even on the defensive side of the ball, are you able to go play after play against guys that look like JB who are six eight, three hundred something pounds? <laughs> the center might be six seven. Like these guys are just they're just big dudes, right? So can you do period? I personally think the defense can, but just like JB said, you gotta be able to move the ball on the ground, sustain drives, convert third downs, and in the red zone, gotta score touchdowns. Field goals are good, but we need to score touchdowns. When you talk about a lack of toughness and from what you're seeing mm-hmm. and you're talking to, you've mentioned some names, Orlando Pace and Corey Stringer and these types of guys that are out there. What are people outside the program, not outside, they're inside the program, but used to play at Ohio State that played in the trenches that understand what it was like to play in the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s. What do they see when they see that Ohio State offense today? Do they agree with you? Do they contrast that? Like, what are you hearing? Yeah, in our group text and such, then you get running the ball. Why aren't we running the ball? Why aren't we smash-mouthing the ball? Why aren't we controlling the line of scrimmage from a an obvious ball control running perspective? At this point, it doesn't even need to be 50-50. You know, sometimes, like, we want to be balanced. There ain't no balance. Mm-hmm. Run that ball 70% of the time down somebody's throw. Practice your pass game in the game, period, point blank. That's how you set the tone. That's one thing that Slickety Nickety does a great job of, or at least has until he got two of He played Midwest football in the SEC, and no one in the SEC could deal with it because they set the tone of toughness. I don't care what your athletes look like. We're going to run them over. They got to deal with us for four quarters on another level, right? And then when you set that tone, the next team you play, you're setting that tone for them mentally when they come into the stadium, right? So one thing that Erd did, in my opinion, he took that toughness away. Teams used to come into the horseshoe and the herbs thing thinking they had the formula to win on both sides of the ball. It's never been like that. And that's toughness. It has nothing to do with stats. It has nothing to do with touchdowns. It has nothing to do with those things. It has to do with the attitude that you put out there and that the people know what they got to deal with when they come to play you. But you have to set that tone. It's not about just the points, like Nate said. It's an attitude. I don't think that as a team, I'm not saying as individuals, as a team, we haven't exuded that attitude quite yet. 
Yeah, when Herb was here, they were going a lot of side-to-side stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, stretching it out, which you had the talent and you had all that. And, and there was that moment in the run in 14 when I feel like he had this relentless pursuit, whatever that was. They didn't, I mean, it was what? They gave Ezekiel Elliott the ball. Right. <laughs> he ran the ball. He was running, like, give that man the rock. Let him Holes run. like yeah. this, yeah. Yeah. But that was more so they were just establishing like, hey, this is what we're doing. Stop it if you can. We might get two yards here, three yards here, but understand we're going to break one eventually because the defense is going to get tired trying to tackle Ezekiel Elliott, having to deal with our entire offensive line actually just driving down the field, right? So, I mean, I agree with JB. I mean, there are times where you just kind of look at the game, you're like, can we please just run the ball? Just run the ball. Nothing else. Just just run the ball. We know we can pass, but like just establish the run and make things so much easier. Yeah. Let everybody know that that's what they got to contend with when you get here. Mm-hmm. That's what sets the tone. You never want to beat somebody into thinking that they should submit. You know what I'm saying? I would rather somebody come in here thinking, hey, man, how the heck are we going to stop this team? Even if yeah. I get their best shot. Even if I get their best shot. They're still worried about them not being able to stop what we're bringing to the table. Man. I think uh, for the fans or anyone else out there, they might look at it and say, well, we have a great quarterback and all these receivers, and uh, of course we're going to throw the ball. And yeah, sure. But if you can't establish the run now early, at least the attitude of we can run the ball and this is what we're going to do, it's September. We still got to go through October and November, right? And then hopefully you know, win the Big Ten Championship, and then you're in the playoffs. At that point, the air raid is cool, but you're going to face a team that's going to run the ball on you and or yeah. be able to stop the run. You have to have that attitude established already. So, yeah. Mm. They got to keep the ball away from you, too. Keep the ball away from you, which means you got to be perfect. Mm. If you're not perfect, then you're going to lose. And they're not trying to be perfect. They're just trying to keep the ball away from you. That's what a team like Wisconsin will do. They'll just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, keep it, keep it out of your hand. Mm-hmm. And then the next time you go three and out, they're going to run the ball, 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 run the ball. Right? <laughs> That's how the game goes. Yep, absolutely. That's Big Ten football. Big Ten smash yeah. ball football. That's what it is. They still might beat them by a few touchdowns, though, man. I'm just going to say, I don't know if I they mean, got the horses back there. I agree with that. I, I hope think, they do. So, yeah. But we're going to find out, aren't we? I mean, okay, he does. <laughs> He does yeah. later on. I'm not going to hold you to today, but I'm going to need your prediction. And yeah. you got to give me a little bit of grace to change on Friday. Oh, please. Yeah, yeah. Because, oh, there's a whole vibe of the week, right? Yeah. I may change it, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than people. You text us, and we'll put all our scores yeah. in the show notes for this podcast. The spread is 18. Yeah. Personally, I'm going to say... 35-17-35-21-35-21-35-21-35-21-35-21-35-21-35-21-35-21-35-21-35-21-35-21-35-21-35-21-35-21-35-21-35-21-35-21-35-21-35-21-35-21-35-21-35-21-35-21-35-21-
I don't disagree with you that they still got to get that toughness. And I don't know if Wisconsin, I think Ohio State covers. I do, mm -hmm. but I reserve the right to change by Friday. The only way you stop it is to keep the ball away from them. Yeah. That's, you know, that's the only way. I mean, it's at home. This is the blackout game, isn't it? It is the blackout game. Night game. Yeah. I don't know. And they're feeling good. But you got to keep in mind, though. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but this is our third night game of the year. It's a lot of night games. Jeez, it is, isn't it? Like, it's hard to play at night. Yeah. But you got to wait all day. See everybody else. And that holds in. Yeah. <laughs> all dang day. Yeah. 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 Yeah, prime time. It's going to be interesting. We'll see. And the reason I need a little grace, because I haven't dug in to do my research, part of it is tradition. And what I know I experienced last year with some, but the week-to-week -week thing and even the 2022 thing, I got to dig in a little bit to give you a little more accuracy in my expectation of the game. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Right before the game, we found out that the two starting safeties weren't even playing. Yeah. I mean, Ryan Day's running this thing like he's Bill Belichick. Like, you don't know who's in and who's out. Oh, the yeah, ball kicks off and he keeps it tight. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, what they're doing is dope because, you know, it's almost Trussell-esque. Where, in my opinion, Truss will play someone not so they would fail, but because they believe that the other guy's better, but they want the other guy to succeed. Right? So, handle your business. But if you don't handle your business, we actually think the other guy's better. So we're going <laughs> to play. We're going to play the guy yeah. who's doing what we ask him to do. We're going to do the guy who we trust. We're going to play the guy who gives us the best chance to win and not just the older guys. Yeah. Man. So it's going to be interesting. It is. JB, man, I can't thank you enough. Nate, like you said, let's anytime you want him to come on and talk, I'm here. That's the love bully, man, as displayed by the big old hug. I mean, he said some stuff. You used that word early on, and man, it was just, that was truth. <laughs> He's the love bully. Uh, love A double bully, man, you know? Are you guys every week? Yes, sir. Yeah. I'll come on and give a prediction and smash you guys. How about that? I like it. I like that. I like the prediction piece. And some wisdom and some motivation. And some love bully. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In case you haven't noticed, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're building a one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or are looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network.